Uh, okay, hi, uh, it's Carrie Johnston and I'm filming today on the traditional territory of Champagne and Asiac First Nations. And my guest today is Scott Kesey. Scott, please introduce yourself from the traditional territory of Ta'anquichin Council and Kwanlin Dun First Nation. Hi, Carrie, thanks for, for that acknowledgement and the introduction. I'm Scott Kesey. I'm CEO of Discovello here in Whitehorse. And what is Discovello? Well, first of all, before we get into that, I want to thank you for inviting me here. I've, I've been following along with the with the Yep podcast. I'm a Yepper now, I guess. It's great. It's so affirming. I love it. I don't know if you use that term or not, uh, but I think you should. Um, and uh, I've, I'm an entrepreneur. I've got a couple of businesses, actually. One pays the bills and one will pay the bills, I hope. Um, I've got a, a, a sole proprietor consulting a business that is kind of a continuation of my of my previous career in environmental and mining consulting. Um, but what's really got me jazzed is my startup company that I that I started a couple of year a year and a half ago with with some partners here in Whitehorse. Um, Discovello is the company, and we're looking to make an impact by um, improving um, mental and physical health and emotional regulation starting with students in classrooms. We've got a big vision to uh, take a chunk out of that problem for everybody because the, the, the problem is, is only getting more acute and more widespread. Um, but we're starting in classrooms because we've got a great partnership with Run for Life organization that has been putting stationary bikes in classrooms for a bunch of years across Canada, really effective at helping kids uh, get their heart rate up a little bit and move in the place where they need to use their brains. So that's been a great, um, a great project, really effective. And we're looking to amplify that by creating some fun interactive software. Uh, they're games, it's interactive digital media, but it's video games, but you play it by exercising and modulating your heart rate. So there's an awareness of what your body is doing and uh, really trying to reforge that connection between the brain and the body um, in users who uh, really have some emotional dysregulation. And that's so many of us now. And we all know that kid or we were that kid or we have that kid. And so the problem that we're trying to solve with, with this product and this company, we're finding is really resonating with people. Um, it, it does not take us long to make an emotional connection on that. Um, and so we've got some incredible support from, uh, from everybody that we talk to. So we're having a lot of fun with that. It's a tech startup company. So we're learning so much um, and it's new to all of us, but, uh, but it's a go. It's a lot of fun. Did you have a background in tech before you started this? No, no, not any more than, than anybody else out there who, you know, uses a computer for work. Played video games a little bit when I was younger. I've got a I've got a son who's really into gaming, um, but no, certainly not. Uh, and that was one of the first things I googled when we had this idea: is it possible to start a tech company as a non-technical founder? And absolutely, it happens all the time. And in fact, uh, you know, there there's a school of thought that um, that in a lot of senses, uh, it's actually an advantage to be a non-technical founder of a tech company. Um, I mean, certainly there's advantages to, to it, but um, I'm pretty comfortable with where we are so far. I mean, I'm bringing, I'm bringing the leadership skills that I have and the skills from 
previous uh, previous work positions, leading teams, um, and you know managing groups of people towards towards a common goal under pressure. So um, so that fits pretty nicely with my uh, with my CEO role. Uh, but as CEO, you're also a janitor. You're picking up pieces. You are you're doing everything that your uh, your team of experts and specialists shouldn't be doing, right? And so it really, what I'm learning, and I'm learning so much is, um, I mean, you're out there doing a lot of leading, but but it's uh, as much a support role as anything else. So really trying to trying to bring the right people together to um, to move things forward uh, and just make sure they have everything they need to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so global pandemic, what are you learning about your business over the last eight months? Well, maybe because it's a new, a new expedition, it's every day is learning. And I'm really deliberate about focusing a lot of my day on research, reading and learning. And so even without the pandemic, I would have been learning so much. Um, When COVID um, dropped in in March, we were just kind of getting going on a on, on a real uh, deliberate round of product development. So we had agreements in place with um, with a, an, a program through Boise State University in Idaho to develop our game to do the coding. Um, we had people in place here to do uh, to do some of the other coding brain science experts contributing. And just like everybody, we kind of hit a big pause to, to take a deep breath and try to evaluate what it meant for us. Um, and what we now know and what, what it became very uh, apparent to us early on is that we were, were, pretty, were really fortunate um, for a few reasons. I mean, the fir- first of all, we were, were a very early stage company so we didn't have any staff on payroll. We were pre-revenue. Um, so we weren't impacted like, like a lot of, um, you know, Main Street uh, traditional businesses who, who were losing customers, who were having to lay people off, whose revenue was, was drying up. So really lucky that way because um, it didn't take us long before we realized, okay, the problem that we're trying to solve with this solution is still there. It has temporarily moved from classrooms to home, right? Because that's where that's where the classroom moved to. And so our immediate question was, is there a pivot needed for us from a classroom-based solution to a home-based solution? And when we took a look at our kind of development runway and the time, time frame and the trajectory that we were on, we decided pretty quickly to stay the course. We said, okay, we're still still going to be a number of months before we have something that we're we're going to be deploying for testing or um, or commercializing. By that time, kids are going to be back in school in some fashion, um, and let's stay the course. So we were really fortunate to be able to you know more or less continue on the path that we were on, um, and you know very very fortunate. It is just Gratefulness is something that I think about every day, um, not just because of where we live relative to the problems that other people in the world are having, but personally, um, 
I was able to keep my, you know, my, my day job that pays the bills. My wife kept her job. We know uh, there's so many people that are not as fortunate as us. Um, and all the other founders on our team too had their day jobs. One of them has since quit to work on this, which is pretty cool. But um, yeah, we uh, conditions were right for us to keep doing what we were doing. And we had the right support and, um, and conditions in place to do that. Um, so we're learning about that. I think one of the things that came out of that was the, were the, the importance of relevance and resilience. And I talked about relevance a little bit. Um, you know, our solution is more relevant than ever. Um, and so these challenges with uh, unregulated emotional energy um, and um, kind of fleeting physical fitness opportunities in, in schools um, are only more so. Um, and so those, and those issues now are outside the home, they're in workplaces um, and, and they're in home situations too. Um, but resilience is something that we're really uh, kind of focused on now and trying to make sure that everything that we do is building our resilience. And so that's in work, that's in personal and home life as well. Um, and I think that's a key skill right now. So we've learned that that's really important for our, for our business and for ourselves. Um, what else have I learned about business? I think, um, well, we've learned that it is entire, not just entirely possible, um, but an incredible opportunity to be a for-profit business. So we're structured as a high growth startup um, company, a for-profit business model. Uh, we're focused on growth um, and scaling a solution, you know, really quickly and, and globally eventually. Uh, but we come at it as a social purpose organization. We didn't start this venture because we wanted to make boatloads of money. Um, we were talked into that business model because the idea that we had um, about bringing a solution to a problem that we were all passionate about. Uh, had potential to scale and fit quite nicely into the into the startup business model. Um, so, you know, there there was some you know a bit of kind of internal tension off the start about whether, geez, is this possible? Yeah, well, it sounds like it's possible. Is it advisable? Well, people who we're learning to trust are telling us that yeah, it is. And the more we move through this journey, we realize that this, what I kind of had envisioned as a bit of a ridge, you know, we're on this walking this fine line between for-profit and social purpose is actually becoming a really big plateau, a well-populated area of new companies that are um, leveraging the power of this business model um, to really not just scale their revenues and scale their customer base, but to scale their impact and to bring the solution to as many um, problem locations and individuals as possible. So we're learning that and that is really, truly inspiring. I mean, you, you know what happens when, you know, when LinkedIn starts curating your feed and you, you know, you start following articles about this stuff, you start seeing more and more of it. And um, so it's inspiring to see other companies out there who are uh, succeeding 
it's really uh, encouraging to see investors um, recognizing this model. Um, the rise of impact investment, uh, for example, is um, you know is not a it's not a fringe thing anymore. And so, uh, and the U and the Yukon startup community and, and ecosystem is really kind of all in on this kind of business model and supporting supporting uh, startup companies and social purpose organizations and inclusivity and and all the right things that are really kind of the you know at the leading edge of um, of new business development globally right now. Yukon is really tapped into that. So. Um, so we're really uh, grateful to be a part of them right now. Mm. Yeah. I what could go on about I, the I know, I'm you're... Not, I have. <laughs> you're, you're studied, I'd say. You've got, I mean, you're hitting, you're, you're, um, you're, you're obviously investing a lot of time in, in understanding the ecosystem as well as you can yeah. to attract that investment and to... And to position yourself as, um, uh, I, I suppose, really, it's it's part of being organized, right? It is is preparing yourself to, because the the investment um, the investment funds are there, but you've got to position yourself to be able to access them. Absolutely, yeah, and and investors have a checklist, you know, that that they want to see, um, and so we're being methodical about going through that, but. Um, one of the, I, the most important thing for me is that I feel that it's, it's incumbent upon me and, and my team to have the deepest understanding of the situation that we're in and the challenges that we're going to face to, uh, to try to identify our blind spots, um, and really, uh, have the clearest eyes wide open, uh, view of of our obstacles and our headwinds and the path ahead. We've taken on private investment, um, and so this isn't just our money and our time that we're putting into this. Um, we've taken on private investment. We have, you know, I've spent how many hours um, on this unpaid so far, and so you know, I recognize that you know my my family has a limited. <laughs> Uh, uh, limited appetite for for that, and so um, we need to get you know we need to get to to revenue and growth and market entry in this company as quickly as possible for all those reasons to honor all of those investments in us, time, money, support um, that everybody has provided in us. So yeah, I'm 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 doing my homework. I'm I'm really trying to make sure that that we give this the attention it deserves. And I'm passionate about it. I'm loving what I'm doing right now. And I've got such a great team and, and I want to do this. I mean, uh, my old, I use this all the time. My old job kept me up at night and this one gets me up in the morning. And that's the truth. Do you find like your old job though is supporting you in that sort of like thinking about the spread or thinking about the scope and I'm, like almost in a way I'm thinking you know, like in mining, you know, we've got our regulatory checklist, the things that we have to do or, you know, or in environment or whatever. Like, do you find mm -hmm. that the, the, those skills you're, you're finding transferability between them? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they are, um, I mean, I, I, I was very, very fortunate when we moved here in 2000, 
uh, early 2004 to happen into a position where I was given um, some great mentoring and coaching and, uh, and a ton of responsibility early in my career. Uh, and, and I was supported to grow um, and to develop my own uh, skills and resilience really quickly by being immersed in, you know, in, in, in some pretty, um, you know, some pretty high responsibility positions early on. And I think, uh, I think cutting my teeth there in, in, in that environment and that role, not to mention, you know, consulting is a pressure cooker. And so it, um, you know, you either develop resilience through that or, um, or it kind of chews you up. And, and I was through, I, I went through both. You know, I had to, I'm, I'm very public about uh, having to leave that job for, for a number of weeks uh, because of some work and induced anxiety that I had. And, um, you know, that, that's partly because I'd been doing it for a long time, um, but I wasn't managing my workload as well as I could have been. Um, and I certainly wasn't focusing on my own, uh, my own mental and physical health like I should have been. And so I learned a lot through that experience. And if we're talking about transferable skills, that's probably the biggest one. I mean, you can, you can take training for how to manage teams and project management skills and all of that, but, um, but the, the, the lessons learned from you know, having to step away from a professional position um, be, because of some of the you know, physical and mental manifestations of anxiety was, um, it's really part of what, what landed me in, in this new startup, right? Um, I've got experience with that and, and I, I know what that feels like and I want to try and help others avoid that situation and give, give professionals and people another tool to, to manage that and have the awareness of what can happen and how the brain and the body are connected because that was a big lesson for me right we really tend to think of our our brains and our bodies as separate entities that we deploy uh independently in different situations and that's not the case right the more we understand how those are connected and and how they work together and how uh information and, and signals uh travel back and forth between them i think the better we're all going to be and the more resilient we'll be in these situations so and that was a bit of an excursion from your question about transferable skills, but um, no, I've, I've certainly learned learned a lot in my previous life and uh, or previous career, um, and yeah, it continues to you know continues to keep the lights on in the house here, and um, I'm hopeful that that's that that's going to change soon and I can make a full transition, but um, you know that depends on how successful we are with uh, with our next fundraising rounds. I, uh, when you were in, in one of your earlier responses, you, you were talking about sort of with kids, but the unregulated emotional energy. And I was like, oh, I got that too, right? Like we got that as adults and, you know, there's, we've got lots of lessons to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems like we're all in a state of hypervigilance right now. I mean, we're like four days away from a, from an American election. And I know, you know, some of us are more invested in that than others as much as we try not to be, um, you know, uh, COVID has, has just exponentially increased um, our emotional responses to, 
to these situations. Um, yeah, we were, as a society, I'd say we were not in a great place before COVID. Um, and COVID has only made all of those things more challenging um, in most ways. I mean, you know, there's interesting, interesting stories emerging um, from some people you talk to, I'm sure you've talked to people who, you know, are maybe introverts by nature, um, who really didn't like going to an office um, and uh, wanted more time for gardening and had always wanted to learn how to bake, you know, and maybe there's, um, there, there are silver linings that I think people are, um, are, are discovering and and I think it's a, it's part of self care to be able to focus on on some of those things that you know that that we may not have had the opportunity to experience otherwise. Uh, there's there's definitely a cost, you know, and there's a trade off and a compromise. That I think everybody would recognize, but um, you know, uh, not not everybody has those stories, but but I've got a few. I've, I've enjoyed a new deeper connection with my family from spending more time with them. You know, what, what I was dreading early on has actually turned into quite a, a lovely rhythm uh, with my family here. And again, I know not everybody has that. We're fortunate to be in that situation, but, um, um, but I think it's really important to kind of see all sides of this. Um, you know, the, the, you, you can't live in dread all the time. Mm -hmm. okay, but it's, I don't think it's good for you. What are you learning about? Um, what are you learning about Yukoners right now? Hmm. You know, I think that I think the nature of this place and the type of lives that Yukoners lead. Uh, by choice, if you if you choose to be here, um, assuming you have a choice, if you're if you're here by choice, you uh, have signed up for a certain set of challenges in life. Um, again, I, you know, I I think those are, you know, I'm I'm willing to scrape my windshield every morning for six months because of because of the, the, the joy that you, Yukon living here brings me in so many other, other areas. But um, the resilience, I'm gonna keep coming back to this, but the resilience that I'm seeing in the people around me and the people that I'm talking through in, in, to in life and business is, is truly encouraging. Um, I can only imagine that there are umpteen other places on face of the earth where you know, where, where people are banding together and finding their deeper inner resilience. But this is where I am right now. So I'm, I'm learning that Yukoners as people have, have, have a high degree of resilience compared to probably what we all thought we had um, to be able to go through something like this. And that's really inspiring to see. Um, you know, we're certainly learning a lot more about um, about our different industries and what it takes to to uh, maintain business continuity. 
in, in these situations. I think we're learning a lot about ourselves that we might, we maybe would rather not know. Um, I don't want to dwell on those too much, but we're learning, we're learning some hard lessons about ourselves. I think about our territory, um, about the important, important points in governance, what really matters to us in governance uh, and in business. Um, and this is really, you know, having, having COVID land, land on us, it is bringing vulnerabilities to the surface and forcing all of us to confront them in whatever capacity um, we have to, to kind of get through our day and to keep our businesses going. Um, but I think that the, the most incredible thing that I've learned is how with, with the right organization and the right support, people whose businesses and lives have been devastated by this, by this situation are picking themselves up, turning 180 degrees and killing it at something brand new. And that is, I mean, the stories coming out of the Pivot program at UConn U are mind blowing. I mean, I've seen, I, I know some of my friends who are in that program who are, are so much more vibrant and uh, committed to what they're doing now than they were before. Um, by necessity, I'm sure, you know, um, everybody's, everybody's endorphins are elevated about what they're doing, but uh, man, that's just really cool. Really cool to see some of those stories come out. And I think the more airtime that those stories get, the better. I mean, we're, we didn't have to pivot too much. We just kind of took a pause, carried on, but um, yeah, I would, I'd like to think that if we'd had to, we could have, because you know, I've seen the infrastructure there to support it. And I've seen so many success stories come out of that. I think that's probably the most inspiring thing I've learned. I mean, I think that's, that's the thing that I always think about with UConners when it comes to uh, innovation, because this is, you know, this is for UConn innovation week is that like, we're just so resourceful here in the territory because we've, we've, we choose to be here for that. And, and there are those, like, we've got this, um, you know, in geography, we always talk about the friction of distance, right? So like there, there, there are these, these forces that kind of restrain your geography or how you like live in a space. And, mm -hmm. and because of the restraints that we have here in the territory, because of, you know, climate and geography and those sorts of things, we're resourceful. And that is such a huge precursor to innovation. That's, that's kind of like the necessary sauce that's required for those explosions of, of real innovation, which is to create yeah. something that wasn't there before. Totally. Couldn't agree more. I think that's really, really well put. Yeah. What are you learning about leadership? About leadership? Um, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot of what I thought I knew about leadership um, is, is dated. Um, and I'm learning that that, that leadership is, uh, it's a continuum. It is a, it is, it is constantly evolving and it's not just something that you can learn. You can't just sign up for a course. 
you know, you can't just um, work at a leadership position for a couple of years and then say you're a leader. Um, whether or not this is true or not, I don't know, but I, I feel like in some sense you're born into leadership. Um, I was informed at an early age in my career that I was going to be a leader, whether I liked it or not. So I better just get used to it and own it. Um, I kind of took that to heart. I don't know if they were true or not, but I, I feel drawn to, um, to leadership because I get so much satisfaction in working in a team um, in that kind of support role. I, I do see leaders as more supporters than um, kind of the front of the echelon formation, right? Um, and I have, I've always been a generalist. Um, you know, I've got a bachelor's in environmental science. Um, I never specialized in anything in the environmental field uh, in my training. But in the position that I was in, um, I worked with so many professionals in different disciplines, engineers, biologists, chemists, uh, across the board. And so um, I was always in a general general role and never, never really deep in the weeds on any one particular uh, technical issue. And so I think that allowed me to um, always kind of see the bigger picture, to be able to see how different disciplines uh, work together, um, but also to be able to see how how different disciplines and the types of people who are drawn to different disciplines can um, can kind of be like oil and water sometimes. And so um, it always seemed like a little bit of a chess game in moving these interdisciplinary teams forward to a common goal um, because sometimes leadership is just keeping people apart for a while and just letting them, you know, stay in their own sandbox and do the thing that they're very good at. Um, and there'll be a time where we come together later, um, but that's not right now. Um, so, and, and that requires constant attention. Um, what else am I learning about leadership? Um, the importance of empathy is something that, um, that I've really come to realize over the last couple of years. I'm not an empath by nature, so I'm having to work really hard on it. Um, and that paid immediate dividends in this new venture um, as we faced one of our earliest challenges. Um, I, I feel like it did, and might get a different story from other people, but um, but I really, I real, really feel like a sense of empathy and an awareness of what it is and and how important it is help navigate me through a, a sticky situation that I think at a different point in my career, I may have just kind of bulldogged and, um, you know, probably wouldn't have gone well. And so, um, yeah, I think these times in particular call for a, a heightened sense of empathy and if, if, we, if we all had a little bit deeper understanding of, um, of how empathy can bridge divides uh, in, in, all, in all manners, 
no, we'd, we probably, we, yeah, I, I don't know. The, the more I think about some of the challenges that we have right now, I just can't help but think that, um, that, that an empathetic nature would uh, be one of the best assets that we could have. So, so I'm working, I'm working on hard on empathy as a leader, but also as a life partner, um, as a friend, um, as even as a stranger in interactions. Um, every time I have the awareness to try to bring that to, to a conversation or an interaction, it, it works in my favor and I think in favor of the person I'm interacting with. So, yeah, so that's something I'm, I'm all about right now. Um, team that team really, one, yeah, go ahead. I feel like that really, you know, you're, you're talking about empathy, but you're really talking about, you know, in some ways it, it's kind of going back to this like uh, awareness and regulate in, in regulating, which is kind of what your business model is, right? So it's just, it's just um, ha being able to bring those things and, and practice them and to train ourselves to do them, right? To whether we're using brain science or using a video game to kind of bring that level of awareness to what's happening physiologically in your body um, or whether you're trying to use those like general, just human cues, the, the subtle things that we do and say and, and things like that when we're interacting with uh, our fellow humans. It's uh, yeah. to, to try to bring these levels of awareness to those, those cues either in ourselves or external to us. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of overlap in, you know, in, in, in the business problems, solutions that we're developing. Um, and you know, I, I, it, and that's still lost on me sometimes. You're right. It is a, a work in progress, right? But I have these moments every once in a while where I'm like, God, I know this. This is, you know, um, but it is, uh, it's a constant effort, right? And it's when it doesn't come naturally, uh, it's work. And, you know, I read something great the other day that said, you know, life is hard in any given situation if you've got a decision between two different paths one might seem easier right now but it's going to be harder later one's harder now but it's going to make things easier for you later so choose your heart right and for me i'm choosing i'm trying to choose to do some of that hard work now to make things easier down the road my nature has often in the past been oh just that seems kind of hard i'm going to do the easy thing right and yeah i've been I've been bitten by that enough that um, I'd like to think I'm, you know, learning my lessons, growing up a little bit and in my forties, <laughs> never too late. Right. I always like, I've been thinking about it lately. I like to cook meals and then I, I cook a lot because my background's in catering. So I, mm -hmm. my partner's always saying like, it's impossible for me to cook for two people. I always cook for 20. And that's, I mean, that comes from my days working in mining as well as a cook. Yeah. Um, but I always put it into the, the freezer. I don't like putting it into the fridge even so much for leftovers for the next day. I'm like, no, this is this this meal is so that future Carrie is super happy with past Carrie. Because one day I'm gonna pull it out of the freezer and be like, Yeah, way to go, past Carrie. Yeah. You, you nailed it on this one. <laughs> and and I've been trying like and I always do that in food, and now I'm trying to bring that into like other aspects of my life like mm -hmm. even though this moment right now is really hard future Carrie is going to be really grateful that you did this yeah pay it forward for yourself yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure um, um what advice just, do you, oh go ahead just a couple other things that that i've that i've learned i think um 
the importance of team alignment. Uh, we did the we did the business boot camp at LaunchSpace at Uconstruct uh, a year ago, right. and uh, and they did a, some great exercise with us right up front about uh, about personal values, combining those into a common set of team values and identifying your why right as the business. And so we we did some pretty strong work on that early on to make sure that as a group we were aligned in what we were doing, but why we were doing it. And we've had to use that. We've had to go back to that well a few times, you know, as we've got got busy and faced some complex decisions, it, it's been really effective for us to go, okay, why are we doing this? Let's just go back to that. Let's touch that stone. Um, and that's been, been super effective for us. So, you know, as part of leadership, I think, um, uh, I think, knowing when to bring the group back to that has been a really valuable, really valuable skill. And I'm really grateful that we were kind of taken through that exercise to have that as an asset to, to utilize and a tool um, and celebrate the wins, the little wins, right? There's so many, so many headwinds and there's always another big obstacle in, in business um, that sometimes it's hard to, to acknowledge that, Oh, we just have like a thousand wins in a row, little ones, you know, and my partner, my uh, partner, John Carson is so good at that. Every day he's cheering on Slack, you know, just like, can you believe this? Can you believe what we're doing? It's so amazing. Um, and so I'm learning a lot from him and from my other partners. Um, yeah, again, could go on and on about the things I've learned about leadership and teamwork. It's uh, super inspiring right now. One of the things that we all have to kind of lead ourselves through right now is this pandemic and these new public health measures that are in place to kind of, you know, keep the whole community safe. Mm -hmm. Which of the safe six are you having the hardest time with in your life? Um, avoiding crowds. I don't know what number that is, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that's one of them. Um, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I'm social by nature. Um, I'm an electronic music DJ. I love making people dance on a dance floor, all packed together, sweating, cheering, loving it. And I really miss that. Um, and um, yeah, that's, that's a hard one for me, for sure. Um, you know, we talked about people who are, you know, kind of celebrating the, the um, the opportunity to just stay at home and be by themselves, and you know, I have I have moments where um, where I'm okay with that, and and I'm okay being with myself and just by myself in stretches. But I do need to get out and be in in a big group of people and see um, and see social dynamics at play in large groups. I find it fascinating, and it's always it's always a learning opportunity to watch big groups of people interacting. And I always treat it like a bit of an experiment and um, yeah. And, and I miss that. It's challenging for me. We've um, my family and myself, we've, we've got an intentionally large group of friends. We were deliberate about trying to maintain connections with as many different people and different types of people as possible just for the, the range of exposure uh, of experience and perspective that that brings to us and brings to our kids 
Um, and that's so anti-bubble, right? <laughs> like, um, so, you know, we, so we're, we're challenged with that as, as a family, like, like so many other people are, but I think that's the hardest ones for us. Yeah. And so how are you kind of keeping well with that? Like how, what, what, what are you using to sort of fill yourself up when you can't have that, you know, same gathering size? Um, being outside, you know, we, I've, I grew up in national parks. My, my parents worked for national parks. So I was lucky enough to live in, in some of the most amazing places in Canada as a kid and was always outside. Um, and that's one of the things I love most about being in Yukon. So, um, and, you know, as, as we know, there, you know, you're, there's, there's more leeway to interact socially when you're outside. So, We've done almost all of our of our interacting outside, and so be able to keep some of those connections with other people on bike rides or boat trips, um, where we're able to keep a distance. I think has been the the saving grace for us. Um, so yeah, we've we've been able to do that. I think that's the that's that's the thing that has uh, helped us overcome that challenge the most is is just being able to be outside. Um, you know, connecting like this with, uh, with family abroad. So we spent more time on Zoom, just like everybody else. Um, but also just getting to know my family more. You know, we pre pre COVID, we were able to, you know, just kind of be off doing our own thing. And my wife and I work six feet apart, eight feet apart now. And so we've got a different relationship than we did before and and it's stronger right we're more accountable to each other and ourselves and the relationship that we have and that's been again a bit of a silver lining here i i truly feel like the two of us are going to come out of this stronger than we went into it yeah i think done from uh like we've become co-workers with our families yeah yeah and you have to you have to figure that out can't just blow up at each other and then take off. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you certainly can't. Yeah. What advice do you have for emerging entrepreneurs right now? People who are starting businesses. Um, get a good network of mentors and peers. So, you know, so the things that I'm probably going to talk about here right now are probably, you know, maybe a little more geared towards startup business. It's kind of where my head's at and what I know right now. Um, you know, I've never, I, I've never run a bricks and mortar, you know, retail business or anything like that. So, but I, I would like to think that some of these things apply to whatever kind of business um, you're about to start. Um, you know, you can't do, even if you think you can, you can't do it on your own. And um, so much of what you need to start a business you have to get it from other people. And the, the sooner you accept the fact that you need a, you need a network of people to help you, uh, the better off you'll be. Because um, my experience is that people are so excited to help. <laughs> if, if they're into what you're doing, um, they, there will be 
bottomless support. That's been our experience. We cannot take advantage of all the support that's been offered to us. There are not enough hours in the day. There are not enough people in my company to be able to take everybody up on all the support that's been offered. Maybe that wouldn't be everybody else's experience, but um, I think that's a combination of, um, you know, again, the, 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 the mission that we're on really resonates with people and, and we're finding that. And so I think that translates into some buy-in and support. Um, so uh, if, if, if you have an emerging business idea, either find, either find something that, that connects with other people because you're going to get more support that way or find a way to communicate what you're doing that emotionally connects with other people. I mean, that's the first rule of pitching, right? Is to emotionally connect with, with your audience. And so um, without straying into rules of pitching too much, I think um, uh, just find, find the way to, uh, to draw that support in because it's there. Um, and just the, the, the time, the timing right now, I think in Yukon is pretty incredible for starting a business we've just been blown away by the support that we've got from Yukon University, Uconstruct, and that's all through funding from economic development. So even pre-COVID, um, the, the commitment to growing the innovation sector in Yukon um, was there, and they've been doubling down on that. Um, so much support now with COVID-specific uh, support programs. Um, you know, as, as challenging a time as it is to be in business, I think there's some amazing opportunities right now. Um, and if you can find those, the support is there to, um, to, to really run with, with new business. So I would say, um, you know, go do the boot camp. That's, that's what I should say for sure. If you're an emerging entrepreneur, well, I think one of the best pieces of advice I can offer is, you know, take up that magical program, apply to the bootcamp, the startup bootcamp at Uconstruct. It's, um, we did it a year ago. It's three months, um, uh, kind of, you know, periodic uh, programming, but it, we, we learned so much and that really set us on our course and I think set us up to succeed. And so, uh, and so look that program up and try and get in the next cohort because that's a real fast track to success. Um, yeah, we talk a lot about uh, disruption, right? In the world of innovation and startup culture. And right now this is just a massive global disruption. Everything is disrupted. And so from disruption comes opportunity um, and markets are being completely transformed um, you've probably, I'm sure you've talked about this with others where pivoting is required, but um, it is, it may be counterintuitive, but I think it's an amazing time to consider a new venture. Um, and if particularly if you, if you have that vision uh, of the future, I, I don't know what's hard right now, who knows what the heck's going to happen, but um, if you're a forward looking person, uh, and you can spend some time trying to identify opportunities, there's, there's a good chance you can make something of it right now. Yeah. So what are your, you know, you talked a little bit about your, your personal values as, a, as an entrepreneur and leader. What are, what are some of the values you're hoping for for the, 
Yukon economy kind of going forward? Um, so there's a lot of talk about, about economic recovery and the shape of economic recovery, right? Is it a, is this a V-shaped recovery? Is this a K-shaped recovery? And all of those uh, shapes that they're talking about are two-dimensional, right? They're all on an X, Y axis. And uh, I, I had a great analogy presented to me early on that is the, the recovery from this pandemic and this incredible disruption that we see right now is in many ways going to be along a third axis, the Z axis. So we talk about the Z axis, right? And so that is, is um, I think something that I'm, I'm hopeful that Yukon as a business community and, and the governance of business in, in the territory can acknowledge the fact that um, that markets are going to be recovering in directions that are non-traditional, new markets emerging, um, new ways of doing business. Look at some of the sports leagues that are, you know, have opened back up with no no audiences, right? No no fans in the stands. There are so many examples now from the past eight months of how. Um, businesses have and industries have recovered and transformed in unimaginable ways. And I'm hopeful that Yukon can, can identify that and use its nimble um, stature to take advantage of some of those things, right? We, I, I do believe that as a relatively small um, financially kept jurisdiction, we have uh, an incredible privilege um, and that is manifested in how nimble we can be. And I think there's an amazing opportunity for us to translate that into, um, in, into some leverage in new markets that are opening up and, and opening up differently. Um, I mean, we're certainly constrained, you know, geographically. Um, we're constrained with uh, some of the investment and in infrastructure in some of our traditional industries. But even within those, I think there are going to be some uh, really interesting ways to um, to keep our economy moving forward. And and I'm just hopeful that you know that that not everyone's just waiting around for things to be like they were before. Because I think that's, that's going to be prohibitive, prohibitive, and I think it's going to set us back. Um, and that kind of comes back to innovation, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that, that's a great way of phrasing it, that and, you know, I think the, I think UConn was pretty quick to, uh, to realize that this is our new normal. Mm hmm. From a, mm -hmm. from a policy perspective. And I think that's why you saw, you know, a lot of programs that the Yukon has piloted during this time, like the pivot program, like some of the economic benefit and supports and sick leave programs are being sort of now rolled out at a more national level or looking to be adopted in, in other jurisdictions. And I think that's like, we're super resourceful because we are in this we're like you're kind of saying we're we're an isolated grid and we certainly talk about that from a power perspective right like we are 
we are our own little isolated grid up here, like an island. And because of that, we can, we've got these boundaries and, and frictions of our distance. But because of those, those are our known constraints. You know, if we take that boot camp model, what are our known constraints, and then how do we look for emergence in, in that? So, hey. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, I think we're doing a lot of that really well right now, and so um, you know I want to I want to acknowledge that for sure, um, and I think staying that course, um, and I think we've learned a lot about how how uh, resourceful and resilient we can be during this pressure cooker period. And, and I think there's a lot that we're learning about this that we can carry forward into, into the new normal, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Resourcefulness is, uh, is a great way of framing it, I think, yeah. So uh, any f- books, podcasts, songs, anything that's getting you through that you wanna recommend? Oh, so many, oh my God. Um, I've read more in the last uh, 18 months than I probably have in the previous 18 years. Um, in terms of books, the, there's, the, there's this tidy little book called What the CEO Wants You to Know by Ram Turan, and it's kind of a business classic. And, um, and, and it's, it's kind of funny and lots of exclamation marks. And so I've, I keep coming back to that one. That's a great one if you're just getting into business in a leadership role. Um, so, uh, um, so that's, that's been a great one. Contagious by Jonah Berger, Berger um, was amazing. Um, and that talked about, um, about the power of, of ideas to spread and what, what actually makes things go viral or ideas transfer word to mouth, uh, or sorry, um, um, by word of mouth. And so that has some, you know, some direct uh, impacts on what we're trying to do. So I learned a lot from that one. Um, music. I'm all about Bandcamp right now. I had a Spotify trial and, and you know, Spotify was great. It's, it's awesome to have like unlimited, increasingly homogenous music at your fingertips all the time. But um, Bandcamp's model that actually supports artists um, is really important to me as a you know, as a former, I guess, performing real musician that did it for a while. And um, I have enough friends in the industry now and I trust their opinion and they're all about Bandcamp. So get your music through Bandcamp. Um, Podcasts, I've been geeking out on 538, um, right? You know, leading up to the election, getting down into the polls. I probably, probably shouldn't be, but I find it fascinating. Um, There's all sorts of startup podcasts like Startup Canada I've been listening to. Um, cooking shows. (laughs) I've been all about the cooking shows with my kids and my son really loves to, to work in the kitchen. And so we've been watching cooking and baking shows. Um, I've got some guilty pleasures. You know, I think part of wellness is not just focusing on all the things that you know, you need to do that are good for you. I've been working on meditation and trying to improve my physical fitness routine and all of that. But, you know, my little guilty pleasures, I, I get, I, I get wellness, mental wellness out of, you know, staying up late and eating chips and watching The Good Place because Ted Danson is so good. It reminds me of Cheers and a simpler time. And that's, that's important. Um, uh, and just one more thing, pay for your journalism. Journalism is so important right now. Um, and 
you can support journalistic integrity by paying for the platforms that seek real truth and provide balanced journalism. So I really encourage um, people to get out of their echo chambers and uh, subscribe to news platforms that provide a wide range of perspective um, and, and fact check journalism. So that's, that's really important. I think. It is, yeah. Scott, this has been a great interview. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. I've had a lot of fun, Carrie. Thanks for everything that you're doing here. I know this is your initiative and um, and it, it is going to be a really incredible time capsule to look back on. And uh, um, yeah, thanks for reaching out. I've had a great chat too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.